All right, everybody, how's it going? Got your host here, Eric Castillo, with the Warrior Mindset and Motivation Podcast Show. Today, we're talking with a, well, I guess you can call him a co-worker of mine when we were in Germany. His name's David Beal. Uh, we did some time in Germany together, and uh, great, great, great non-commissioned officer, really tactical, really uh, technical, listens, knows how to get it done. Uh, kind of one of the one of the guys you want to have when you're uh, a squad leader or a section chief in your uh, in your unit. So that way, when you give tasks, you don't have to worry about it. You just you know it'll get done. Uh, so that that's always one of the the best things to have. Uh, he's a private contractor, and he's gonna dig into all that stuff and dispel a couple of rumors through that because I know that there is some, and dispelled a couple of mine. That's for sure. Uh, cause I had an idea of what it was until he schooled me on it. And, uh, I'll go ahead and run about himself and explain and we'll go from there. All right, go ahead, Dave. All right. So I'm David Beal. I was a eight year veteran of the U S army, 13 Bravo cannoneer. And now I work in the private security sector as a private military contractor and close protection specialist. And, uh, got out and moved to Poland and went straight into that out of the army. So a little quick transition for me into something completely different. Right. So when you transitioned, did you go from Germany straight to Poland or did you go back to the United States and then to Poland? Was it like a couple of moves? Uh, I needed to take care. So when I took my terminal leave, the army would pay for a free flight back to the States. So I went back to the States for about, two or three weeks I think just Mm -hmm. to take care of some stuff back there before I went and then flew back to Poland I've been here ever since oh nice so and then um when when you uh I know you said you did some time I was reading your bio you did some time at uh Fort Drum did you deploy with them uh no I never deployed in Fort Drum unfortunately (laughs) I kept skipping around we were on the the global QRF and then they deployed half our unit um yeah, just never worked out. I don't know. Most deployed unit in the United States Army, I never deployed with them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a rare commodity right there. Holy smokes. <laughs> you hear 10th Mountain, that's like a given. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what we all thought. And then yeah. <laughs> you know, sitting there like, the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, and then when we went to Germany, I know we had some pretty good good things going on over there. Germany was actually a really, really good place. I learned a lot there uh, when it came to getting the leadership. And I know there was one point uh, leadership was kind of shaky in there in Germany. I think you were there for that. They were kind of like, uh, 50, 50. Yeah, I was there for a lot of the interesting times in Germany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then once you did that, you know, we, we did our thing in Germany and uh, you went ahead and moved on. So how did uh, the, like, so when you went to Poland, did you just kind of fall into the contractor stuff? Like, give a little rundown about how that came about. What was the thought? Uh, did you know someone? Was it someone who knew someone? Like, that whole game, like, oh, I know someone's brother whose cousin is this? Or was it uh, just apply? Or how did you come about all that stuff? Well, for me, that was always what I wanted to do when I got out of the Army. Joining the Army, for me, I joined late when I was about 25 and for me, I, I always wanted to do the contracting once I had finished. Uh, when I joined, I had no idea how long I was going to stay in the Army. But the contracting was the next step for me. So when I got out, that was I'd already done the research. I spent 
I think most of my time in the horrible transition classes, just researching all the contracting jobs and found some good sites with information and good uh, people, some contacts that I could talk to. And then as soon as I got out, I spent about four or five months just decompressing out of the army and then started applying and went to Afghanistan right after that. Oh, wow. I mean, we'll we'll talk about that part in a minute. But uh, the decompression part is one of the main things I like to hit on because I know veterans uh, more times than less have a rough struggle through uh, transition. Unlike most people know and how I've mentioned from time to time, I had a really rough time um, due to the nature on how I was uh, retired from the military. And uh, so when you what what did you do during your decompression that kind of kept you sane? Or if not so much, if you kind of fell down a little bit, went down a little rabbit hole, but then came out, what, how, how did that work for you? Yeah, I mean, it was sort of a little of both. Like coming out of living in the barracks or, you know, I got divorced while I was in Germany and then coming out of that and living in the barracks and then into a household with uh, six and a nine-year-old and you know adjusting to that was definitely uh it was it was a a shock like especially not having knowing that i was going to be contracting and not having a a job to go to every day Mm -hmm. you know alcohol is easy to slip into when you're like that it's just like oh i don't have to do anything i don't have to drive anywhere you know just work around the house and then you're working around the house and you start drinking at noon and suddenly you're shit faced by 8 PM can't do anything. So it definitely took some adjustment. I'm still working on, it. I'm still working on finding the balance of how long do I need to be away? How long should I be home if I'm not, you know, doing a job here? So it was a, it was an interesting transition. I've found out a lot of it actually going to Afghanistan was probably the best because that sort of refocused me. But that first six months was sort of, it's weird, like money and not having work. And thankfully my fiance works, so she could help support us. Well, that's good. That's awesome, man. And like, so what, what were the thing? I know you mentioned the thing about uh, finding the balance. And I know that that's one of the, it's one of the hardest things to do because it's a constant scale that tips left and tips, right. And tips left and tips, right when it comes to finding the balance. So when you were finding yourself tipping a little too far to one side, what were some of the things that you did to kind of even the scale back out? Uh, like finding things to do. Cause I mean, my girl, she still gives me crap about it is I'm that, that army mindset of if you don't have a task, you just sit there and wait. Yes. And that was like the biggest thing I'll complete something. And then I sit on the couch and I'll be like, huh, go on Facebook. I don't have anything to do anymore. Then she comes home and like, why the hell didn't you do anything else? I'm like, no one told me to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, definitely know that, 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 uh, that feeling. I had that feeling before. Now it's, it's a lot, it's a little different now because uh, my brain is rewired. So now I know for me, what I try to do is, is if I try to not necessarily look for something to do because you know, in the army at the same time, like, well, if you don't, you know that old saying, if you ain't got something to do, I'll give you something to do, you know? But it's different because now 
you don't have anyone telling you what to do. So you kind of got to do it on your own. And yeah. uh, I learned that one a little uh, later on after my marriage was, it was done that, and especially with uh, my girlfriend now that I'll be here and like, she's out doing something or if she's uh, running errands or whatever, I'll kind of like, I'll sit for a little while and not do nothing. But then at the same time I'll look around and I'm like, okay, what can I do? What, 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 needs to be done you know and i, and I kind of put that mindset of the military of uh, okay well you need to do something you yeah you can sit there but then nothing will be done and, and then on the terminal when it comes to that it's, it's, it becomes an appreciative factor too when you actually do something for your significant other and then they come back and then they're like oh well you didn't do that and they notice it you know so kind of doing those little things helps and um i know you say you do work around the house so kind of like the busy work basically is what it, what it is. It's like just kind of keeping the mind engaged in something so that way you don't completely lose it. Right. Yeah. And obviously summer's easier because then I can go outside. I can work on the yard, you know, right. something chicken coop, whatever we need. <laughs> but like winter, obviously if I'm here during winter, it's a lot tougher because, you know, there's not so much you can do outside. So I need to right. find stuff. I'm, so tired of cleaning the house. <laughs> I'm like, hey, well, I'll tell you, this is a really clean house, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not the homemaker. I cook the food for the girls, take care of them, especially during COVID because yeah. they're not going to school right now. So they're home with me all day. So I take care of them. I do all the, all the wife stuff, basically. <laughs> and then I go to some horrible country and switch back over to soldier. Right. <clears throat> Now, and that, that leads it on to when you said you went to Afghanistan, that kind of put a whole bunch of things back into perspective. And I know a lot of soldiers can attest to that because I know my first time I went to Afghanistan by way back in 2003, um, you, you become appreciative of things you don't really have. And it puts a whole bunch of crap into perspective on where you're at, how you're living, and where you were at before. So for you, what, what stuff went into perspective for you? Well, yeah, that was, there's a lot of stuff that came into perspective. And then we, as contractors, we're still under general order number one. So that was for me, like, I think the longest time I've been sober in a very long time. So that helped a lot. And I don't know, it's that weird mindset, you know, we are working at an ECP and you're looking under the vehicle with the mirror and you're like, if I find an ID and they clack off, you know, I'm done. There's no coming back from that. And you have to deal with that every day. Like shit can happen, but it put it in right. perspective, like to, I don't know, care more about it, about being home and enjoying that time with the family, with the, the little things going for a walk in the woods or, you know, taking the kids for ice cream, the enjoying the simple things. But then as a contractor, you also have the trap. You can't enjoy it too much because you have to go back. You can't just be like, oh, I don't want to work anymore. <laughs> so you right. have to you have to learn to balance when you leave and when you stay home. Right. And for like contracting, like now you can talk everyone through that process a little bit. Uh, and I know a little bit of it, but I'm not even going to try to act like I know because I don't, because when I joined that group that you did, it's called the Oak tree on Facebook. And I know that's a really good 
check-in place for people who want to know about contracting stuff. And I know you put stuff out there. Um, I thought it was like how we were talking before we went live here. I thought it was just like, hey, Blackwater, oh, one contract, 12 months, 300,000, done. I will do it, you know, and then that's it. Like, and, he, and, and that was kind of the, the way it, it was um, pitched around too when I seen a couple of contractors when I was uh, deployed on my last tour. We had two of them attached to us to teach us uh, private security stuff because that was our mission at the time. And I asked one of the guys how much he makes and he pulled me to the side and he couldn't exactly tell me, but he said, I'm about to pay off my second house. And I was like, the hell? I was like, second house? I was like, and I'm over here getting pennies? What the hell's going on here? So if you can uh, kind of run them, run the people down about how it goes to apply for a contract, like how, what is the process? What are the steps? I know I saw that you got your certification to handle a firearm in Europe, which is huge because Europe is not really a fan of firearms in general. So, you can no, that, that's uh, very difficult over here. The, the yeah, process so could, to do that. Yeah, if you could talk to people through a little bit of that and like how the contract that getting and securing a contract actually works, that that would really I don't know help some people out who are thinking about doing that, who are active now and or kind of just sitting around contemplating being a contractor. Yeah, let's say the the biggest thing about contracting is do it right away. Like it's not a, like I'm moving in more into close protection, which is a career, more civilian side, but contracting, I wouldn't say is a career. It's a way to build, get that money, that time, build a future for whatever other endeavors that you want to do. Because if you did it for, you know, as a career, you'd probably burn yourself out. You just, it's so much time away and it's boring and I mean you've been to Afghanistan most of the time it's not you know yeah 13 hours it's sit and wait for something to happen but uh the first thing is there's a, a bunch of good websites shooterjobs.com is probably the biggest one for stateside contractors so ten dollars a month and they post contracts from all the major companies Constellus uh Triple Canopy all the major ones. So if you want to look into it and they post stateside ones, it's not all Alconis work. If you're looking for any sort of people think, Oh, all contracting's downrange. No, it's not. There's, you know, protecting nuclear facilities, all sorts of contracting work in the States as well. Alconis is just, hmm, generally it pays more, but with the wars winding down, it's not what it was in 2001, 2003. You're right. not going to get, Unless you're, you know, super Delta special ops sniper who can do DDM <laughs> for Constellus in whatever horrible place they want to send you to, you're not looking at, you know, 300K a year. You look right. at starting out, if you're doing just physical security, you won't be getting onto a PSD team straight away. So don't, unless you're SF, don't think that you're going to be. Uh, running ECPs, towers, that sort of thing for various companies. And you're looking at sixty dollars to $70,000 a year. But it's tax-free as long as you're outside of the States, which is a bonus, and you're not really spending stuff. So yeah. especially for single guys, it's a really good option to, you know, get out and go and do that immediately. And I say immediately because if your clearance expires, it becomes much more difficult 
to find a job because companies don't want to spend the money to sponsor you for renewing your clearance if they can just get someone who already has one. If you want to do contracting, make sure you know when your clearance expires and find a job before that happens. Right, because then they can renew it for you while you're on a job, right? Yes, which is much cheaper and they have the security and knowing that if they're going to pay for it, you're still going to be there. Right, yeah. And yeah, it makes sense. You know, they wouldn't do it if they didn't want to keep you around. Um, so that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and uh, how many times have you gone around? Like how many places have you been since you've been doing the contracting work? Uh, I went to Afghanistan twice and then coronavirus hit. So I was looking around Europe and the problem with coronavirus is a, if you do a U.S. government contract, you go to El Paso and do CRC, the what, Combat Readiness Group, or I can't remember what, whatever <laughs> Army acronym. It's their basic medical, you do all that, and then they get you ready to deploy and fly you to wherever you're going, and your company will pick you up when you get there, Bagram or Kuwait. But with Corona lockdown, I sort of got stuck here. U.S. companies weren't looking for anybody who was in Europe. So I decided to move more into close protection, which uh, some people would say bodyguard, but that's close protection operatives a little more complicated than a bodyguard. As I found out when I went through the school, it's like learning a completely new skill set to work in that industry. Right. And that's a... The biggest thing I would say is it's always going to, no matter whether you want to do PMC work or close protection, it's a bottom up. You have to, don't go in thinking you're going to be, even as coming out as an E6, E7, think you're going to be hot shit and in charge of people. You're going to be at the bottom rung again, E1 private, and you got to work through everything and move your way up through the industry again. Right. And I think, I think that's a huge misconception too, because I, I even thought that, you know, thinking I knew that the position in the military, it it holds a weight, but when you get with a company or a job, they, they're like, okay, cool. You're at the bottom, you know, because you don't have the longevity and you've got to where you're at in the army because of longevity and time and experience. And it seems like, you know, almost like with the contracting business, it's, kind of the same thing like they'll they'll acknowledge what you've done but you need to learn the ropes before they place more trust on you it's like going to the board you know you got to learn you got to study you got to prepare so that way then you can be more competent in that specific area in uh do when it comes to doing private contracting work yeah the way i'd say is your your military experience is the key that unlocks the door but then once you walk through you have to build yourself back up in that industry right now is it now when you and this may sound like a little ridiculous i don't know i'm not necessarily ridiculous question but kind of like what an off question are there any like uh incentives like while while you're contracting and i I just thought of this right now it wasn't even something i wrote down here on my notepad but like you know how like in the army you got like this board or that board or this induction does the contracting world kind of have any of that like maybe a, a an incentive or a perk or a bonus or certain benefits or anything? Oh, yeah. It it all depends on the company you work for. And when you apply for a contract, they'll send you a a letter of intent, which will basically lay out a pay structure, 
everything about your contract and what they're offering you. And then when you sign that and send it back, that's when the hiring process starts and you do medical uh, blood tests, all that sort of stuff, pre-deployment work. Mm -hmm. But uh, it depends on the contract. Some companies will offer like, because it's not like the army. I could quit at any time. If I'm over in Afghanistan and I don't like my contract, I just say I'm going home and I fly out. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of companies will offer like an end of tour bonus. If you sign a year contract and you complete the full year, they'll give you a bonus at the end for completion. Or uh, a lot of them promote within the company. So you can go from just starting as an armed guard to shift lead to sightly. Like you can move up in the companies. Right. It's more of a corporate structure, but those are for people who are willing to take the time and be away for that long. Right. And then like, and also if you're choosing to stay with a dedicated company versus jumping from company to company to company, right? Yeah. And yeah, that's definitely a big thing. Uh, so picking the company that you work for is important and you can get, Oh, I think it was Glassdoor has a lot of good reviews. If you just put in the company name, like type in, you know, triple canopy or Dynacorp or whatever company you're looking to work for. And you get reviews of people who've worked for them because triple canopy has gotten into some trouble because they use some suspect business practices uh, with their contractors. That's the one thing you have to be careful. Companies will abuse you. It's not like the army. They don't, there's no, there's oversight, but it's not as strict as the army. So you have to look at what you're signing and know what your rights are when you go there. Cause they'll, I've heard of people getting their clearances held by other companies and not releasing them and, people not getting paid for TDY stuff. So it can get bad if you don't know what you're doing. Oh, wow. And that, that, I guess it goes to show, and even not just with contract, just with anything, just make sure you read before you sign. I mean, I know that's a kind of a given rule, but I know a lot of people most of the time just go, okay, yeah, I know what this is. And, boop, and then they sign it and they don't even know what they're signing. Yeah, they get out there like, oh, I want to go into contracting. I want to do that. And they go to the first one and they're like, should have read what you signed. Yeah, now they're now they're stuck with it, and they could be, and there's no labor laws from what I understand in contracting either. They kind of just work you. No, they can fire you like, oh, they got a complaint, or they could fabricate a complaint, and they're like, no, nope, you're going home. Oh. And there's no there's no unemployment, there's no nothing. You're just gone. And then uh, I see if that happens too, and I know that follows you when you go to apply for a next job. Like, hey, why did you get fired from this last contract? Because I know that'll kind of carry over, kind of like the army does when you get UCMJ. Oh yeah, they can they can blacklist you if they want. Like oh, if wow. people, it, it's rare now, but yeah, like if you don't do the proper steps when working for a company, they can blacklist you on the DOD, so you won't get a contract ever again if you fuck up the wrong way oh wow damn that's that's a little more harsh than the military yeah military you still you get article 15 yeah you do your time or maybe they put you out but that's that's dang that means like no more contracting job that's insane i never that's something i didn't even know so like this is all like super cool like insightful stuff because i know the common like i was saying perception is oh six-figure income deploy Afghanistan, Iraq, or some uh, South American country and come back and enjoy that for a while and find another one. So it's, it's, it's nice to hear about the, the process on how this works because 
I know this will clear up a lot of stuff for people. I know for me, well, I can't do it anymore. Too old and diabetic, so that stuff won't work for me no more. But for the young guys out there, um, listen to this stuff here because this is this is good stuff, especially if you're thinking about going to the contracting work. And I know one thing for me was that I thought that I would just walk right in like, oh, hey, you know what? I've done this. I've done that. I was with I was uh, deployed with special forces in 2003 and I did private security work in 2014. I can walk right into anything. That's what I thought. And here David's like, no, no, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, especially these days. And honestly, the other thing I want to say about contracting is don't think the shooting shooters, that's what they call any armed personnel who are contracting, make up the minority of contractors. Maybe like, just like in the army, one, two percent are actually armed. But don't think because you don't have a job that's, you know, tactical mm-hmm. that you can't go contracting. Most of the six-figure salaries are non-combat jobs. Intel, mad money in Intel right now over in Afghanistan, Iraq. Uh, flight mechanics, generator mechanics, IT. Right, You're an IT professional, it. and you want to go to. You have a clearance and go to Afghanistan. Six figures guaranteed. So you see that people, you don't even have to shoot a gun. Go be, you can be a contractor. You have never held a weapon in your life and you still can go be a contractor and go make good money. But again, you fall to the rules of the contract and what you sign. So got to be very careful with what you read. And I know that when I was there, I remember, I remember, uh, I think it was in 2011, there was a contracting company. I don't think it was DynCorp. I think it was someone else, but this guy, he, he was open with his stuff. He was a guy who all he did in Afghanistan was lay internet wire and set up satellites. And he made $265,000 for that contract for the year. And I know this because he told me and he laid an internet wire straight to my room and gave me my own phone with a phone number. So I know this. <laughs> I know yeah, this all because we let him shoot the howitzers. We let him shoot the guns on our firing point. So he gave a whole bunch of people, internet lines and phones. So that I know that for sure. I don't know if that's still the same, but that was 2000. No, no. If you if you go over wanting to go into the tactical side and move up, yes, there will be six figure jobs if you move up through the industry. But you'll be sitting there making 60k a year, guarding some guy with a beer belly who comes in, <laughs> does one thing on a computer, walks out. And he's making 200,000 a year. <laughs> so is it like if, cause your clearance is good for two years. If it isn't reaching the 10 year expiration mark, if you get out and get uh, it certification, anything like that, and then you want to go back down there, it's a really good option, especially if your clearance is still valid. Right. And that's, that's, that's good that you touched on the, co- the, tactical versus non-tactical because i know most people when they hear private military contractor they think of vest kevlar guns call of duty battlefield all that stuff so it's 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 good that you actually bring up the fact that that's not necessarily the case um i know again for me initially that's what i thought i thought oh pmc give me a gun but (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's not the case uh which which is really great um and I appreciate you talking about all this stuff. And uh, if there's one thing you want to let the people here know or anything, anyone who's active duty or 
on their way out or contemplating? What's something you want to let them know or something that they really need to hear? Something they really need to hear? Yeah. I'd say find a goal. Like that's the, the biggest thing when I was getting out and I was going through the transition process. A lot of people, they get to that point and be the, were they in for four years or they were in for 20 years? They don't know what they want to do when they get out of the service. And for me, I knew I wanted to be a contractor. So that was always my goal and it allowed me to focus. I still may have fallen into pitfalls and issues with the transitioning when I got out, but I still at least knew this is what I want to do. So find that goal. And even if that goal is in the future and you want to contract for a couple of years to make money and save and then go for that goal, have that goal, what your dream is when you get out. Uh, that's, that, that's, that's perfect. And that, that's kind of like what, what I touch on every time is, is find, and for, the, for the military people who are in, find an objective because that's what they give us. They give us objectives and tasks. It doesn't change when you get out. It just the, the verbiage changes. So instead of finding an objective or a task, find a goal. What's the end state? Where are you trying to get to? And what do you need to do to get there? Uh, and when it boils down to it, Dave here can give you all the tools and the resources. But again, you have to be the one that submits it and you have to be the one to actually follow through with it because he can only do so much. He can give you the websites. He can give you the tools to train. He can give you everything. But you have to be the one to follow through because at the end of the day, you are the one that holds yourself back from achieving that goal that you want to get. So I appreciate that 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 final note there, uh, Dave, about finding a goal because I think that's that's huge, especially right now, especially with COVID. I think finding a goal or at least something to complete so that way we have that sense of completion and satisfaction that we've actually completed something is, is important. So um, I appreciate you for coming on over here, especially from way down over there on the other side of the planet. I know it's nighttime over there now. I remember eight, nine hour difference. So that's cool. Yeah, Nine, nine hours right now. It's not yeah, too bad. Nine, yeah, it's not too bad. I remember that. Sun's up over here. Sun's down over there. Uh, so I appreciate you for coming on. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to David, his his Facebook is over there in, his, in the description of the post. I also uh, wrote on my Page Warrior Mindset page, the shooterjobs.com. So, for if you're listening, shooterjobs.com, Dave says it's a really good one to check out. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Shooter Jobs, Clearance Jobs is another great one. They have a lot of both stateside and uh, Oconus work, even some stuff in Poland if you guys want to come visit. <laughs> if you're IT professionals right now, that's all about all they have. <laughs> the last thing I'd say. If you're going into contracting, well, any job really is networking. Most of the good stuff you don't get applying online. It's who you know. They're the ones who are going to find you jobs, and they're the ones who are going to rec- recommend it. Right. That, that That's totally, totally huge is networking. And that's that's one of the things that I know when I got out, the Army started kind of pushing towards was networking and, and building a network because it's the same thing. It's who do you who do you know because that person may know a person of a person of a person to get you a a pretty cool job or at least get you a foot in the door to get you to interview 
You yeah. Know? So like in CP work, I might have a guy who's got a CP contract and he needs a team put together. And he's like, Oh, I remember David. He was really good. I'd love to work with him. He sends me a call. All right. I can come do that. Yeah. So it's, it's good to build a network and not just connect with someone and then kind of ditch them out, especially if it's an area you're trying to go through. You want to keep those connections kind of constant and current and flowing. Like not like an everyday, Hey, how's it going? But just like a check-in just to kind of, Oh, Hey, how like a message of gratitude. Hey, glad we're a connection. Glad we're this to kind of keep that flow. So that way when something does pop up, especially in the contracting world, you're the first name that pops up. Yeah. And having like for us with my guys, I went through the school with, we have a WhatsApp group. Like make WhatsApp groups wherever you go and keep in contact with those guys because they're the ones, even in the civilian world, it works the same. Any business is networking. If right. someone recommends you, you're more than likely to get the job over someone who just applies out of the blue. Right now, totally, because that recommendation is huge, you know, um, especially like if it's in the field, you're like you said, like you're trying to go to and that person could be like the person's assistant or it could be like the uh, maybe they're both like, managers or bosses together just in different departments and that other guy is vouching for you he's like hey i know this guy he's legit and the guy the person who's looking at you may just not even interview you and take you for the contract because dude over here said you're good or girl the girl over here said that you're good to go so i mean it, networking is, is really really important it's really huge especially when you get out so that's uh i think that's the best way to close it right there is find a goal and network I think that's that's the best way to, we close it out right there. Yeah, that, find a goal and network and work towards it. That's it, and and that's what we do as veterans. You know, we gotta 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 find a goal, network, and then make an impact, be successful. So, thanks, Dave, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Um, appreciate you taking the time over there. So now you can go watch your um, I don't know what show you said you were gonna watch. Yeah, Paradise show. Hotel. Oh, Paradise Hotel. Well, I don't lots even know what that stupid, means. sexy people doing stupid <laughs> shit. I don't even know what that means. But you can go watch your Paradise Hotel. Um, next week, uh, yes, we're, I'm doing this on Thanksgiving, people, next week. And I got a special treat for you, just a little, um, won't tell you his name, but he is a very successful entrepreneur, and he is a former NFL defensive back. So special treat for that one. He's a really great guy super involved in the veteran community because for those who know my show is veterans only unless that's like the small fine print at the bottom unless they provide a lot of support for veterans and they're not military affiliated then you get to come on the show you know that that's just that's just the way it is that that that's how i run this you know because veterans got to support veterans so tune in next week for that one dave you get a chance you get to check them out you can see what's going on um and I appreciate you for coming on. And everybody, thank you for watching and see you guys next week.